That's the problem with being middle class. Anybody who really cares will abandon you for those who need it more. I... I understand. Mr. Bergstrom, I'm gonna miss you. I'll tell you what. Whenever you feel like you're alone and there's nobody you can rely on, this is all you need to know. Thank you, Mr. Bergstrom. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, proudly brought to you by the Simpsons Quotes that nobody gets anymore Facebook page and no homers.net. I am Dando. I am Mitch. How you doing, man? Very good, buddy. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I was admiring your chicken sizzle sub you just had then. Pretty good. Smashed that thing. It's not often that you go to a chicken place and ask for a schnitzel and you don't get a round roll. They put it in a sub. I didn't even notice until we got home and started to uh, to devour that bad boy. Because I remember at the shop we were saying how good Red Rooster rolls are. Yeah. Or how much I used to love them when I was a kid. And I was like, wait a minute. It looks like a red rooster roll. You know what these guys did is they sliced the schnitzel before popping it in the fryer, which meant I had maximum crispy schnitzel edge- the edges. Oh wow! Every time that I was biting through, yeah, that's very very considerate. It's ingenious. Of them. Yeah, it was very very nice of them. <laughs> Maybe you should go back and tell them to do that all the time. Uh, we should. But they, they looked at do. you funny, like when you said schnitzel roll, like it's not normally on their menu or something. They did, yeah. I was like, do you guys do schnitzel rolls? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's behind you. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I want one. Do we have any rolls, Dave? Yeah, yeah. He was like, do we have any rolls? Guy's like, what? Like, what? Rolls. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah do we yeah. have any spare ones for schnitzels? What? <laughs> <laughs> spare rolls? What else have <laughs> all been for? allocated? <laughs> Today we're going to be reviewing our Lisa Substitute, one of your favourite episodes of all time. Is of that, all time. Is it your favourite? I, I, I was trying to think. I forgot if I made it my number one, but... After rewatching it, if I you didn't did make, make it, it your number one, you did. Good. Yeah. Okay. Because I watched it and went, shit, if I didn't make it number one, I'm an idiot. Yeah. What's your first thoughts going back? What do you remember about the episode? I didn't remember how great it was. Okay. I'll well, throw that out there. I clearly did. I remembered, <laughs> yeah. obviously, the political subtext with the class principle. Of course, between yeah, the Bart big plot. and Martin. I remembered the uh, holy heartbreaking emotional ending. Uh, everyone remembers the train scene. But I think That's a lot not of people, the ending. No, it's not. A lot of people forget how great the next scene is with Homer. Oh, one of those people, yeah. Tears me to pieces every time I see it. Like the, the We'll get to that. Uh, I, but yeah, I remember that. I remember just the general Homer buffoonery throughout the episode. And of course, Dustin Hoffman as Mr. Bergstrom or what was it? Sam Eddick? Yeah. Yeah. Best guest star so Such far, Such a I think. great performance. It's so, so good. They had, I was reading up on this. Yardley Smith, I'm just going to throw this out there. I was going to save it for later. Yardley Smith said that just that day working with Dustin Hoffman made her a better actress. Yeah. yeah. You can understand why. He's that good. You get into a recording booth with a guy and you're just going to become better. Like, have you ever watched Tootsie? No. It's phenomenal. It's an absolute masterclass of acting from Dustin Hoffman in that. And I highly recommend it. Anyone that wants to be an actor or just enjoys acting, it's the greatest movie to watch. Up until this point, I think Harvey Firestein was the best guest actor. I think Dustin's just topped that by far. Yeah, he's just knocked him off. Why Harvey was funny, Dustin had heart, like a lot of it. Yeah, and I mean, look, Harvey had heart as well, but not to the same level as this. Yeah, yeah. Not the... Even Harvey scenes where he's pulling on emotional heartstrings, like it's funny. Have isn't I done it? anything extraordinary here today? No. It's still kind of over the top, which perfectly suits the character. The character. Yeah. yeah, but this one for Dustin, it's real and just grabs you by the heart, and you just think, God, I wish I had that person in my grade four class of 
What grade's Lisa in? Two. Two. Whoops. <laughs> I remember sitting there when you used to go on and on about Mr. Bergstrom, how great of a character it was. Yeah. I'd think to myself, yeah, okay, he's all right, but he's not that great. Full. I hadn't watched that episode or this episode in a very, very long time. I teared up, man. So did I. I think I did. I mention this in the last podcast, or was it? Edited you did. Out? Yeah, you did mention it. I cried in the tea room watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't cry though. Not bawling, but I, you know, I wept. I had to wipe a tear. I didn't tear up though at the train scene. No, no. I teared, okay. I teared up when Homer knocks the music box and the music starts playing, and he's telling Lisa how much he loves her, but he can't express it properly. Yeah. That's the scene that got me, man. Yeah, that that's good for the scene. I start at the train, and then that scene pushes me over. I just think, oh, oh god, it's all done. Thank God. <laughs> and Mitch is wiping. His- and then you, sir, are a baboon. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I love Homer's reaction. Did you hear that? Marge? She called me a baboon. And Marge, the is- ugliest, stupidest <laughs> ape of them all. We won't get and too much Marge into it. is great there as the, well. The reaction, perfect. Yeah, amazing. Like, that's as good as the ripping Lisa back into the car. You want to be sad, be sad. Like, she just puts the foot down. Like, Homer, you aren't allowed to be upset right now. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, God, it's great. This is the best writing of The Simpsons. I can understand why it's in so many top ten lists. The writing of this is just, it's like flawless. Yeah. It's hard uh, to it pick is. any faults of this episode. cannot fault anything. And, but like, we've talked a lot about how it makes you feel. It's hilarious the whole way through as well. It is so goddamn funny. Yeah. My favourite part, before we get into it, is just when he says, Ralph, what is your special thing? And he flaps his gums. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. <I> love it. <laughs> it's so good. That's what I mean. He's the exact kind of teacher that every primary school needs. I uh, really enjoy Principal Skidder with, no children, you're not seeing things. This little man is called a schwa. Yeah. <laughs> Are you insane? <laughs> uh, uh, no, sir. No, I'm not. It's my way of getting their attention. Oh. <laughs> We'll carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Before we get into too much about it, though, um, thanks to everybody that's rated and reviewed us in the iTunes store so far. Really do appreciate it. We've got tons of reviews now. A whole it. bunch are coming in, and, and every couple of days, it seems like there's a new one that's dropping in there, which is really good. And what we really want, because, again, it's just going to keep driving us up, and more and more people will be able to see and listen to the show. We, we have thousands of listeners now, which means we should be having at least hundreds of reviews on the iTunes store. So I would have thought, if we can't get at least <laughs> one in ten people to review us. Yeah. So, if you're listening to this now, and you haven't taken the, the two minutes to, it takes to get onto iTunes, can you do it via your phone? See, I'm not really with it. If you have an iPhone, you can. Otherwise, if, you, if you're if you an Android user, you're going to have to jump onto iTunes on your PC. It's a bit more PC. difficult. But yeah. If, yeah, if you so have if an iPhone... If you're not an Apple user, I understand if, you, if our numbers aren't as high. But still, I would imagine 45% of people listening to us are probably listening to us through Apple software. Because I used to have an iPhone. So you just use the podcast app, app. and just click review. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and just give, give us a review. Just give us five stars, please. Pretty, 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 please. Yeah, we're keeping that track record. And well, it's going to break my heart when we get I feel like the Don't more- keep mentioning that because eventually well, someone's going to be a dick you did <laughs> you brought it up you said give us five stars okay okay I did also thanks to everybody that's liked us on Facebook facebook.com slash forefinger discount almost on 45,000 likes now pretty incredible Phenomenal in six months. Like that's something that a uh, guy that I play cricket with is like. So see, that's doing uh, doing really well. Went, yeah, yeah, it is. He's I unliked it. I have to be honest. <laughs> Why? I think the, it was just too much Simpson stuff in his newsfeed. I don't think he has as many people. You know, older people. They're not going to have as many friends. So when you've got like four hundred friends on Facebook, we're probably not showing up all that often. When you've got like thirty, then every third thing was a Simpsons post. It's like that's a little more than what I needed. And he's too inconsiderate to just click the hide posts. Maybe doesn't know how. Or maybe you need to teach him. Yeah. Well, look, he's gone now. We've cut him loose. <laughs> yes. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Mitch controls the Twitter. He's a Twitter man uh, at FourfingerPod. I am. So if you want to get a real sassy answer, yeah. what you get from Facebook is Dando, who's the nice guy, and yeah. you get a lot of ha-has and just in I general, like every comment and whatnot. thumbs up and all that sort of stuff. But if you come at me with t- on Twitter with something that's a little bit below standard, you're going to know about it. 
Alrighty then. So if you want to get Mitch, get Mitch going, send him a bad tweet. What yeah. kind of tweet do you want to get though? I like questions. I like stuff, or, or even just um, shoot us through. It's a good place to send through interesting articles that you found. Yeah. Uh, anything to do with that, like things that are going to put us. If you want us to talk about something. Things that are going to maybe open our eyes because we can't see everything. The internet's a really big place, so anything that you see that is related to the Simpsons or just in general pop culture, whatever it might be, you can shoot that through. I, I feel like Twitter, particularly when I'm replying, it's more of an open market. Like we yeah. don't have to keep everything Simpsons related on that. This is more I view it more as a window into us rather than a window into the show. Yeah, the at Four Finger Pod, the Twitter account is more just. Mitch's account. Yeah. That he uses for finger discount's name to get more followers. Yeah, I, I keep direct personal stuff out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, good. You won't get any dick pics or anything like that on Why the not? Maybe that's why we don't have thousands of followers because on Twitter. Because it's two dimensional and it's not very flattering. <laughs> and also follow us on Instagram. I control the Instagram. Do you want to control the Instagram? I can give you the login details. But we've got, like, we've got 2,700 followers on Instagram. I don't use my own Instagram. <laughs> I, share like, I don't understand it. I share like one photo every two days, 2,700 followers. I was like, I'll, ta- I'll take that. Yeah, that's crazy. It's awesome, yeah. How many hashtags do you use per photo? Uh, maximum four. Okay. Otherwise, just hashtag everything. Yeah. <laughs> Put the hashtag. Hashtag everything. Also, now, we've got something we need to mention, don't we, Mitch? We do. It's time for us to put our hats in our hands yes. and get down on our knees. I'm going to let you do it, because you're better at doing this than me. I, well, you wrote it pretty well, but we have... Well, you explain the technical side of it. I'll explain the why. Alrighty, so so basically, what we've done is, we had a few messages over the last few weeks saying, hey, how can I give back to you guys? How can I contribute to the show? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And we've always said we don't want to charge you guys for the show. Now, obviously, the show is always going to be free. It's, it will never be a subscription podcast. Always going to be free. That's the way all podcasts should be. Until we get to live shows, stadium arenas, and then it's going to be like 150 bucks a ticket, and it's going to go to ahead. Cocaine and groupies <laughs> everywhere. It's going to be great. But what we've done is we've started a donation page on the website. So it's fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate. Pretty simple. So now, Mitch, take over. So, yeah, so... Following on from what you said, as you said, we don't want to charge you for it, and we certainly don't want to make people feel bad by not donating. So It's optional. In Australia, here's what it is for me. Like In Australia, every summer and often through winter, you drive up to traffic lights, and you'll get the surf lifesavers there, rattling tins, asking you to pop in some spare change. That's effectively all we're doing. If you happen to have some spare change, and you're that way inclined to just spend a couple minutes, throw something our way if you would so like to. If you don't, that's cool. We love every single one of you as well. We have already had one insanely generous donation come through. Mr. Jeff Carpenter, absolute legend. Totally. Thank you very much for that, Jeff. Um, Firstly, really fantastic email. And I'm doubly touched by the fact that that came through before we'd even told anyone about the fact that you could do it. Yeah, just yeah, like just I said, said people do you guys have PayPal? Can I give you some money? Like, yeah. It, it really blew our minds. And the point... The other point about this is everything that we get, we're going to put back into the show. So, you're not just, you know, donating to me so I can go buy a new television. But yeah. for Dando spends an, an insane what did, amount of what time. What did pay for that new television, though? Uh, bank money. But oh. let's, let's keep that quiet. <laughs> no, uh, Dando spends an insane amount of time on this podcast. So, it, it can kind of help get Nicola Roffey's back a little bit and justify things by saying that it's not all outgoings, outgoings, outgoings. Because we've got... Website costs that we need to maintain. Domain names. Domain names. Advertising. My equipment. My appearance fee every time I come to his house. You need to lower that, man. It's not fair. (laughs) Look, (laughs) speak to my agent. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so that's there. Fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate. We're going to start mentioning it, not in as much depth of this in the future episodes, but it is something that's there for you. We just wanted to make sure that when people saw that, they weren't like, 
there's not going to be exclusive content. We spoke about that. We don't want to hide anything from anybody. We will probably come up with a way to reward people that do, maybe a Hall of Fame or something along those lines. You said lines, a, a donor page. A donor's page, yeah. like where we can, you know, thanks to these people. So Get we a want to recognize- on there and whatnot on the website. Yeah, whether you give 50 cents, whether you give $100, we want to recognize you for doing it. We're still just sort of in the midst of figuring out exactly what that'll look like. But that is pretty much it. And that's the last thing that I'm going to ask you to do today. And like we said, if you don't want to pay any money, that's perfectly fine. The show's always going to be free. If you can't afford to give us any money, that's also perfectly fine because the show's always going to be free. But Set up you- your own donation page <laughs> and we'll read it out on the next podcast. But like Mitch said, if you do have some spare change, you'd like to throw it our way just to help support the show, that'd be great. So that's all we're going to say about it. We don't like to ask for money, but fourfigurediscount.com.au forward slash donate if you like. Thank you. Now let's get into our review of Lisa Substitute. Thank God. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Cheap wads asking to give money before talking about Simpsons. How many people do you think just unsubscribed? Who are these guys think they are asking for money? One dollar for eternal podcasts. <laughs> I'd be happier with the dollar. Alrighty, so the original air date was April 25th, 1991. The couch gag was no couch and the family was What was the chalk gag? There was none. Oh no! First one ever to not have a, a chalk gag. Yeah, I know. I did not realise this. No, they had to cram in more Hoffman. Do you reckon that's what it was? I assume so. Like, I, I figured the, the, the whole the, intro is virtually gone, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the opening sequence is always one of those things that sometimes it's extended when they don't have enough story sometimes it's shortened when they have too much story do you think they had the discussion at that point do we keep the couch gag or keep the chalk gag or do you think the couch gag was more important to them always that's a very very good question that would be the sort of thing that i would love to ask a like david Gene silverman or something, or something like that yeah and go how did you decide maybe some weeks they just couldn't come up with something that they wanted to put on who knows because I love the fact that you just know they would have sat around for hours discussing or like just trying to decide, do we get rid of that couch Which do we up? lose, yeah. Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> I just think it's awesome. Just the fact that, that they care so detail, much about yeah. the show, you know. So before we get into the full review, a few facts. Uh, as I said, the first episode without a chalk gag, uh, Hoffman used the name Mitch. Sam Etik. Which is? A play on the words Semitic. Which is? A reference to a man of the Jewish faith. Which is also a joke that Mr. Bergstrom was Jewish. Yeah, Bergstrom was Jewish, and Hoffman is also Jewish. Yes. It was also suggested to Hoffman by James Brooks, yep, yep. and Hoffman just immediately loved the idea. The reason that he was using the pseudonym was, again, Simpson's relatively early days, Dustin Hoffman, Academy Award winner at the point in time, didn't necessarily want his name to be associated with I the didn't cartoon. Like, I didn't like that. Because he gave such a great performance, I always felt that Hoffman would have been someone that was proud to be on the show, and the fact that he didn't use his name, I was just kind of like, uh, I don't really like that. I sort of felt like he knows. didn't like I guess like you the don't st- know what else... It was like he was embarrassed to be on the show, do you think? He wanted to be on it so badly because he was a big fan. He gave a great performance, but God forbid anyone knows I'm actually the one doing it. I don't know. You never know what else is going on, particularly that long ago. You don't know what the landscape was like, and it, it could have just been that it, it would have looked bad for him at that particular could have been his agent his saying, you, are not, you cannot do that show, and he's yeah, like, well, can I know. do it if I give a fake name? Yeah. yeah. Like, it could have been any number of things. So I don't want to judge him for it, but it did really screw with my perception of reality for a really long time. In what sense? In that... This is before the internet, obviously. Mm. I was listening to that episode once, and I'd already seen it five or six times, and it was at the uh, Mrs. Krabappel, You're Trying to Seduce Me, and I'd only watched The Graduate for the first time maybe six months earlier, and I went, holy shit, that's Dustin Hoffman. And I called my mate, I called Dustin Hoffman did that voice. You called your mate? (laughs) I did. (laughs) He went, no, he didn't. I went, he did. Split screen, and your mate's like, oh my God, another split screen. (laughs) (laughs) We got a call Bill House. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I was like, no, he did. And then we checked the credits and I couldn't see his name. I was like, son of a... I'm not wrong. I'm exactly. Wrong. I was assumed to have just been wrong. And I accepted that whole time. I was going, 
Well, that dude just sounds a lot like Dustin Hoffman. And you couldn't Google Sam Eddick at that point. No, you couldn't. And it wasn't until years, years later that I went, ah, I was right. So I called my friend again. <laughs> yeah, you texted him this time. <laughs> Tweeted him. Yes, yes. Apparently, the design of Mr. Bergstrom was also based on Mike Reese. Yeah, I saw Who's that. a writer and... Is he a director on the show? I know he's a writer. He was definitely a writer. I'm not sure of his full credits. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you jump on the Wikipedia page for this particular website, you'll see a photo of Mike Reese there. Yeah. On our page, someone sent a side-by-side comparison of like a promo shot of a young Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And yeah. it also looks really similar. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was surprised by that. The thing is, Mike Reese does not look like Dustin Hoffman. He looks like a fat Mr. Bergstrom, though. Yeah, he does. But it's... it's <laughs> Yeah, it's very strange that they've managed to get one character that looks like two people, but those two people do not look like each other. <laughs> Apparently, James Brooks, getting back to James, um, James L. Brooks, please, Dando. Mm, well, Jim. Jim. <laughs> to his friends. Had more to do with this episode than any other episode in the history of the show. I think it's Al Jean, maybe, that said that, but I read it on Wikipedia page, yeah. Yep. It seems that, going back and doing the reviews, James Brooks was great at being able to decide things that defined the episode. Yeah. Apparently, he created the, the note. Did you hear the story? But Luke Nash posted this on the Facebook page about James L. Brooks posted the note on um, on the script saying, you are Lisa Simpson. Yeah. And everyone that got the script was like, I am Lisa Simpson. What? What does yeah. that mean? But it was actually, he meant that that was the note that they should say. Ah, right. Gotcha. Yeah. So, he just, he, I think, apparently put on like a post-it note and just stuck it to the script. Yeah. And all the people were like, I don't get it. <laughs> this makes no sense. I am not Lisa Simpson. Another thing, too, is um, apparently the staff, by this point, were sick of the love stories. I, I read that as well, that they were yeah. more they really were excited to get into the comedic aspect of it. Yeah. And that they weren't super excited about this script when it came along, which I find hard to understand, to be perfectly honest, because this is a hilarious script, but as well th- as being a, a kind of mushy love story. Yeah. But do, do you think you would have thought that much, being a writer at the time, not knowing how great Hoffman's performance was going to be? Do you think that the character of Bergstrom read as good as it sounded when you listened to... That's Hoffman very true, and no, because Dustin Hoffman is a phenomenal actor. Yeah, because the, the dialogue isn't that great if you're just reading it, but yeah. Hoffman's delivery of it, amazing. Yeah, that's probably a very fair point. Do you think when it was written, do you think they had any idea just how great the Mr. Bergstrom character was going to be? Do you think that the performance that Hoffman gave, do you think that's what the writer had in his head, or do you think Hoffman just grabbed what the writer gave him and just made it his own? I think it definitely would have been that, Hoffman just grabbing it and taking it further, it, mostly because of the fact that Al, uh, I've heard an interview say that with any Simpsons episode, there's no real one writer that writes it. It's one writer might pitch the main idea. And I think he said, like, you turn a script and maybe 5 to 10% of your script is what actually makes it into the final episode yeah. as far as actual lines. Like, it just gets... Because they're so determined to kind of hammer it into a better shape. So. Everything needs to matter. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I don't think there was any way that they would have ever seen it being as good as it was because it probably changed a hell of a lot from what it was originally written as anyway. Obviously, though, getting someone like Hoffman on the show, you know it's going to be great. But do you think there would have been fears that because, A, he didn't want his name to the show, do you think there would have been a bit of a fear that, oh, is he going to actually give us a good performance since he doesn't want to be associated Not with, with the Dustin show? Hoffman, no. He's too much of a professional, he? never he? once phoned any performance in. He's probably my favourite yeah. actor of all time. I'm really? going to throw it out there. I Yes. Over De Niro. I thought, I thought you loved De Niro. I do love De Niro, but uh, Hoffman more. So you had the chance to meet De Niro or Hoffman. You go Hoffman? I'd go Hoffman. For what reasons, though? What would you like better than uh, Well, Niro? in person, I think Hoffman's actually probably funnier and more willing to talk. So if I was <laughs> if I was going to be having a beer with one of them, it'd be him. I, think, I honestly think that Hoffman has better range than De Niro. I think Hoffman does comedy better than De Niro does and has done for a much longer period of time. And Hoffman also hasn't trailed off in the same way that De Niro did throughout the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, there was about, about five-ish years where he just wasn't anything, was he, really? Yeah, like, well, it, 
You did, can look back further than that. Outside of... Um, was his comeback like Meet the Fockers? Yeah, that was his comeback where he kind of turned into a parody of himself. But he's made... He's not made a lot of bad movies, but he just hasn't been very good for a very long time. Whereas Dustin Hoffman... Ooh, that's a big statement. He hasn't been very good for a long time. Oh, he hasn't. Okay. I'm sorry, but, you know... Compared outside, to what he was. Outside, exactly. Like, he's not Travis Beagle Taxi Driver. Like, he's... Funny in Meet the Fockers, he's very, very funny. But then he also did Righteous Kill with El Pacino. Like he's made some real turds over the over the last journey. Dustin Hoffman, on the other hand, I feel like probably has segued better into transit uh, into support roles as he's gotten older. But he still nails them. He still he's just so sweet in everything that he does, and so committed to everything that he does. I can't envision anybody else doing Bergstrom. I no, no one could ever possibly do it as well. Maybe Michelle Pfeiffer as Bergstrom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bergstrom in drag. Actually, that's something we should do. We should get Mr. Bergstrom and edit him into Dangerous Minds. Why don't we do that? Yeah, that'd be phenomenal. <laughs> should we also get into the review? Because we've been going for nearly half an hour, and we haven't even started the actual review okay, yet. Well, right, let's you do sidetracked it. me. You started asking me about Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, it's always my fault. So it starts off at the school, and obviously Miss Hoover's away. The kids are sort of trying to come up with their own theories. Yeah, she comes. Chaos in. reigns in the school. I like <laughs> in that classroom. I, I love that. That when your teacher's not there, when the bell goes, it's an open book. Oh yeah, it really is, isn't yeah. it? Did Did you ever have kids at school giving the fake names and they're reading the names out? Oh, to a substitute? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. I think that happens everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, Miss Hoover walks in with Principal Skinner, and Lisa's like, oh my gosh, she's been dumped again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great line. Yeah. So again, that's such an adult thing to have said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's announced that she has Lyme disease. What's Lyme disease? Uh, I'll field that one. Lyme disease is spread by small parasites called ticks. When a diseased tick attaches itself to you and begins sucking your blood, oh. malignant spirochetes infest your bloodstream, eventually spreading to your spinal fluid and on into the brain. The brain, oh dear God. <laughs> what I did like, though, is when he's escorting her out of the room, just the slight touch of common Elizabeth, because that's exactly what Skinner would say. Like, what a principal, he wouldn't say common Miss Hoover. Yeah. He'd say common Elizabeth. Yeah, of yeah. course. It was nice. I, I really enjoy Skinner in this particular bit, and this is Harry really starting he's enjoying to himself find teaching, isn't he? what that character is. Yeah, but he's so... He's talking to people in grade two, but Skinner's so pompous about being a teacher that he can't dumb it down at all. Like, even though, what's Lyme disease? <clears throat> I'll field this one. And it just gives that full run-through of what's going on. As I mentioned earlier, he starts talking about a schwa. <laughs> like, do you know what a schwa is? No. It's almost impossible. It would need an entire podcast to explain, but it's basically a soft vowel sound. So, in a word like Tom, where the O isn't said like O or any other sort of O so sound, it's, it's oh. not like said like O, like in Tom. Yeah, it's the O bit. That is a schwa. In, in I didn't take a whole podcast. You just summed it up in 20 seconds. <laughs> but, okay. To do it properly. To do it properly. And that's a probably... I've, I've probably even said that wrong, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing like it. It's actually a, a Hungarian duck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you said, I just love that Skinner takes over the class. He's having a genuine good time. He says that, what is it, a schwa? Yep. And then Q Hoffman, or Q Bergstrom. Yep. And- <laughs> Are you the substitute? Yes, sir. Yes, I am. Are you insane? Oh, no, sir. No, no, I'm not. It's, it's my wife getting their attention. Bang, bang, bang. Comes Greatest in. entry. Of all time? Uh, uh, I wouldn't say of all time. Up there with the best entries on this show. How many times does someone burst through the door? It's like Kramer. Just grabs your attention immediately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love Skinner. is just terrified. Terrified. He just hits the, <laughs> hits the deck. <laughs> He's so good. Are you insane? Is it there? I am a Texas cowboy. The year is 1830. You youngins ask me any questions you like. Can we play kickball instead of science after lunch? Kickball? Son, there ain't no kickball in 1830. Any other questions? 
shoot, it's awfully quiet on the planes here. And straight away, you're just drawn to this character, aren't you? Yeah. It's, he hits that with 110% energy and it just sucks you in immediately. And even as soon as Skinner walks out, no introduction, no anything. It's like, I am a Texas cowboy. The year is 1875. There are four <laughs> things wrong with my outfit. Anyone who can correctly identify them will get my hat. <laughs> I instantly got a Dead Poet Society vibe. Did you? Yeah. Well, it's not a strong Dead Poet Society theme, but it's no. definitely along those lines. If it's just a teacher where everyone else is your own boring self, and then boom, this guy comes in that's full of life and doesn't care about the lesson plan. He just cares about making you a better person. Because so- some teachers you have at school... They just want to be your friend, and that's not a good teacher. Well, Mr. Mm. Bergstrom is the good blend of being your friend, treating you as equal, but also teaches you at yeah. the same time. I had a story that I needed to tell, by the way, of yeah. my favourite ever opening line from a substitute teacher that happened in my own life. Okay. It was an English class that used to be run by a lady named Miss Parsons, who was a sort of 65-year-old kind of... She was just like everybody's nana. She was a really sweet lady. She was a pretty good teacher, and but just really nice face. Uh, she was sick one day. We had a substitute teacher come in who was a kind of gruff man, had a big beard, kind of round. He looked a little bit like Rob Reiner, to be honest. Um, he gets in and stands at the front of the room. Uh, everyone quiets down. He's like, okay, well... I'll address one thing firstly. Obviously, I am not Miss Parsons. She <laughs> shaves much more frequently than I do. <laughs> Boom. Out of the blocks. It just instantly won everybody over with that one line. What grade was that? What, what uh, year? I was in high school, so I was probably 14 at the time. Yeah, yeah. That, that would win you over at that age. Yeah. I think even the older you get, even that's, now, even, that's even funnier. Yeah. If yeah. I like had a different branch manager, like if, if I had a different manager come in that was replacing a woman and just came out with that line. Friends for life. The best teachers are the ones that can take the piss out of themselves. Like, for example, Mr. Or Bergstrom. Or other teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And get away with it. Yeah. Because they don't do it when the other teachers in the room. Yeah. But Mr. Bergstrom says, I'm Mr. Bergstrom. Feel free to make fun of my name if you want. Two suggestions are Mr. Nerdstrom and Mr. Boogerstrom. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, for example, when you go back to before when he says, name three, I think it's three things wrong with Ed, my yeah, outfit. Sorry, it is three. I just got excited. <laughs> I can see how excited you are for this episode. And Lisa says three things. Which aren't the three things. It was, he's like, no, well, two of them were. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, and I would have taken a digital watch. But yeah, he, but he gives yeah, it a head like, anyway. She picks up on the fact that he's Jewish. And, yeah. and this is instantly, again, this is really great writing because this instantly shows that she's infatuated by him. Yep. And yeah, picks up on the Jewish faith, misses the digital watch. But she's been such a keen eye to attention, like, yeah, sorry, keen eye for attention to detail that she misses the most obvious thing. But he, he still encourages her and still gives her a head anyway. Yeah. I do think it's a little bit. In this, throughout the whole episode, it's a little odd how much she loves him. Like, it gets a bit sort of, not creepy, but saying how gorgeous his face is and stuff like that. I don't know, for an eight-year-old, it just seems a bit much. Nah, look, if you're looking at it that way a little bit. I, I would only look at it that way <laughs> when I'm critiquing looks. Is that the look? Yeah, yeah. And even his re- response to that is just like, what? Like, he has that look on his face. Like, that's a bit odd. Well, that's a first crush. Yeah, she's probably a little bit too young for that. In reality, but Lisa's also a very mature-minded person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's The Simpsons. Obviously, there's nothing actually sexual about any connotation of what's going on there. She's just she just loves the man. Yeah. Now, also, this is where we get introduced to the subplot, which is hilarious in itself. And I forgot that it was even part of this episode. It could be an episode on its own, oh, comfortably. Yeah, easily. What it does is keep a really great job of whenever the Lisa Bergstrom moments get a little bit too mushy, you've got this motoring along underneath. Yeah, you're right. funny up. Yeah. I did think that it chopped and changed between back and forth between the two a bit too much in the first act. I could go from Bart's classroom and straight to Lisa's classroom. Then. But I suppose I need to do that to break up the time. Yeah. 
But um, yes, do you want to explain what the subplot is in this episode? Oh, of course. It's just that they're about to elect a new class president, uh, Martin Prince being nominated, and then somehow Bart being nominated. <laughs> the Sherry and Terry just nominated. That's right. Somebody. Yeah. We nominate Bart Simpson. And I thought they were doing it to be smart, but Bart just loves it. Yeah. You know, you know what I did? I had it written down here in my notes is Bart comes across as intelligent in this episode in the sense that he is fully aware of how ridiculous this campaign is, but he's taken full advantage of it. He knows how dumb his crowd is, like his followers, and he's appealing to them. He is not oblivious to the fact that of what he's doing. Everything he's doing is a tactic. Like when he says, yeah. we demand more asbestos, more asbestos. He's not being stupid there. He knows exactly what he's doing. And like he says, it's just a popularity contest. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, but I think it's more that that's just feeding... Uh, he does, but not with some great political aim. I think it's more that that's just feeding back off what the crowd like. Because obviously Homer tells him that, you know, what's more important than being popular. And Bart just knows that shouting like that is what's going to make them shout back. So he's not sitting at home that night preparing his notes. He's just sort of feeding back off the audience. Yeah, I can, I can, I can understand that. But I do take on board what he says. Very aware of what he's doing and he's in control of everybody, which yeah. he's enjoying. I, I really love, you know, that glass clown thing and then the, just the brilliant note from Krabappel. Keep Bart busy for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, it is good. But also, like, children, what have I told you about encouraging you? Yeah. <laughs> Yay, Bart! Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's good. Then we cut back to Bergstrom, who's singing Home on the Range. I love how he's yep. teaching kids at the same time whilst he's singing. Yeah, exactly. Who would have thought that learning could be fun? Yeah. How creepy is the kid eating a cupcake or something? Why he's, he's, Yeah, he's yeah. He whispers something to him. I've never seen it. Is it like a poorly drawn Ralph? No, it's not Ralph. It's just someone else. I, I know think. it's not Ralph, but it's a weird looking Ralph. It like was a weird looking kid, yeah. It's just odd. Man. Yeah. But I learned things in that song. Yes. I didn't know that the range was a desolate place. Yeah, exactly right, yeah. Home, home on the range. Actually, the range was far from home. It was a very desolate place where danger and disease rode tall on the saddle. Where the deer and the antelope play. But unlike the efficient Indians, cowboys used only the tongue of the antelope and they threw the rest away. And this is where we get the singing dork and the singing dorkette. Yep. They drew the singing dorkette very quickly. They did, yeah. Yeah. Did you expect Mr. Bergstrom's reaction to that note to be that? Or did you think, okay, this guy is such a good character? Because when I first watched it, I remember thinking, okay, this is going to actually get to him. He's going to be annoyed by this. But his reaction is just perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. And no, obviously you wouldn't have expected... At that point, we're still finding out who this character is. So there's no way you would have expected him to react that way. Yeah. But it's brilliant that he does. Hey, what's this? Did you do it? No, no, it wasn't me. I would never do anything like that. It was just one of those immature people who, instead of building themselves oh, up, have neat. to... neat. Can I have it? Yes, but I didn't do it. Are you sure you didn't do it? It's good. No, but I'm starting to wish I had. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the singing dork. So we go back to Bart's room, and obviously he's been nominated for class president. More shenanigans happening there. Then we cut back to Bergstrom, and he's reading Charlotte's Web. Now, this is a moment that sort of... Doesn't get you teared up, but it's a good setup for a joke later in the episode too that Mr. Yeah. Bergstrom's willing to cry in front yeah. of the kids. You can start to see he's the male role model that Lisa's always wanted. This is another scene where Hoffman elevates it. Yeah. Where it would be so easy to screw that line reading up and be either too emotional, like too pretending to upset and quivery lip or something too like Harvey that. Too Harvey Feierstein? Not, no, 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 I won't say too Harvey Feierstein. Too Sean Penn is what I will say. <laughs> I'm but, Sam Sean Penn? Yeah, like, nobody was there when she died but like he openly does it but he holds it back at the same time yeah and it's so goddamn perfect that he's just feeling it every it's, he's feeling it all like Hoffman in this 
isn't treating this as a cartoon. He's treating it as life. It's also in this scene that it cuts to uh, where he's trying to get the kids to do all their talents. Yeah. And even just for example, like I said earlier, Ralph just flapping his gums. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> the kid flicking eyelids. his eyelids up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the the thing that struck me as weird in, in this particular moment is why was Lisa nervous about playing the saxophone? I know. Now, she's obviously played in front of the school a whole bunch of times. So, it's one of two things. It's either it was a convenient excuse to then make her play it later. Which is creepy. Yeah. Or <laughs> it was purely that she was nervous about playing it in front of him. That's what I thought too, yeah. yeah. I think she didn't want to... She didn't want her friends to see her ruining it because she was so nervous to play in front of him. Yeah, I don't even know if it was about the friends at all. I don't think she could have cared about them. She just didn't okay. want him to judge her. But then why was she able to just go out and do it later on then? Because afterward, that comes right after he turns Edna down and says, no, it's the children. Uh, my heart belongs to the children. Is it after that? Is it? Yeah. Okay, that makes so sense. So she sees that and it kind of fills her. She's like, it's, and then she feels safe enough to play it. And obviously in that scene, what is the reference to? Uh, the Graduate. Yes, uh, which is a movie you've mentioned a few times in this podcast. Once or twice. Well, it has one or two mentions throughout this episode. Uh, Charlotte's Web actually also has some very similar themes throughout this episode. It's a very telling book that he's reading out in there. Yeah. So, are you have you familiar with it at all? Loved the cartoon version of it, the movie. Oh, okay. cartoon, yeah, when yeah, I was a kid, right. Yeah. Wilbur so, the pig. Is it Wilbur? Wilbur the pig. Yeah. yeah. So obviously Charlotte uh, saves Wilbur. And how does she save him though? I can't quite remember. I just but, remember she passes away at the end, and he looks. He's friends with the babies at the end. Don't ruin it. Oh, bad fucking luck at Charlotte's Web. Everyone knows it. Uh, she saves him by writing messages about the pig. And then, like, the farmer is about to eat him and then, like, sees that there's the message there and then it kind of grows in popularity and people are coming to see these messages. That's right, and then yeah. they go to the fair and that sort of thing. And then Wilbur... So, uh, I think the pig's doing it. Is that right? Something. Or they think it's, like, divine intervention yeah, or yeah. something. And then the, the pig ends up, you know, with a, a, a large amount of kind of grandeur so they can't just kill him and eat him. Uh, but, yeah, as you said, she she has, a, has babies and dies. So, Charlotte, a very... You can draw parallels between her and Mr. Bergstrom in that he's giving of his own life. He mentions that this, the life of a substitute teacher is a lonely one. The fraud. Yeah, that he's always... Tra- not so much the fraud bit with Charlotte, but um, that he's always travelling around. So, he's not living his life for his success. He's living it for other people's success. And he's not even going to be there to see that come to fruition. Yeah. So, the spider dies before she sees her kids become friends with Wilbur. She doesn't even get to see that Wilbur is going to go and live a full life, but she gives everything of herself. She ultimately gives up her own life to be able to let them grow. And, you know, in sp- that's this whole episode is about growing up. That's a great comparison. I did not even pick up on that at all. That's why I get paid well done, the appearance fee. <laughs> that is a really good comparison. Also, getting back to um, when Kabapa was flirting with her, that is so true to Kabapa's character, isn't it? He's been yeah. there one day. She's already trying to she's hit on She's already him. jumping all over him. <laughs> and it's it's a nice look behind the the door of teachers as well. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, when you're a kid, teachers are this whole other breed, but obviously they're just people. Yeah. Yeah. You know when you're at primary school, and sometimes in high school, not so much, but when you're in primary school... And the teachers would go into the staff room and you'd like try and peek in there as the door's closing. Yeah. They're like, what's it like in there? What happens? What are they doing? <laughs> They're doing exactly what we do. Exactly the same. Just eating food and talking about but television. Talking about how much they hate us. Yeah. <laughs> I would do that so much. <laughs> I know, right. So we cut to um, a really good scene between Marge and Lisa. They're folding the washing and Lisa's trying to explain to Marge how much she loves Mr. Bush and all the characteristics yeah. of him. And Marge is trying to say, I feel the same way about your father. Yeah. And Lisa just can't put the two together can't fathom it no yeah. because he's my dad no you can't this is her first crush she's never felt like this one before no one could possibly feel the same way I feel yeah and Marge is like I notice little things about your father too no mom this is different I mean this man makes you feel like there's nobody better your father does that to me mom are we gonna 
talk or are we gonna talk? Lisa, we can talk, but first you have to accept the fact that I feel that way about your father. Fine. Why do you think that is, though? Like, do you think it's just because it's the first crush and she's never felt these feelings before, like I said, and she's just, no way can my mother and yeah, father feel, you, the way, feel that way about each other? You know when you're just really, really excited about something and you want to believe that you're the only person that feels yeah. that way? To, to know that someone else feels like that way almost diminishes the fact that you're feeling it in the first place. Especially when so it's mum and dad. You're like, mum and dad can't think that way. Yeah. The way she feels about that man, how dare her mum think about her father like that? That could be a part of it. When I was younger, I definitely thought that, that like, the joke was that she just finds her father disgusting. And that's, yeah. that's definitely... And she does throughout the episode. Not disgusting, but he... Maybe disgusting. Off-putting. Yeah, off-putting. Certainly yeah. not someone to be pr- proud of. Actually, yeah. I th- she's really dismissive and negative to him oh, throughout a lot really of Really bad. Episode. I thought she was a bit of a bitch in this episode. Uh, but part of it also is that, I think, that more to the point of just... No, no, no. You can't... You don't understand what I'm talking about. Like, it's like... It's like do you ever have an argument with Nicola about who loves each other more? I'm sure married a lot of married couples um, or people in relationships do I'm, this all the time. Can I honestly say no? Okay. So you're saying that I love you more? Yeah. Or am I saying, no, you love me more? No. <laughs> yeah, but there's... I Wait, love you're trying to tell me you and Ash have had an argument over who loves each other That's more? not a proper argument. Like, you know, we haven't slept on the couch over it. <laughs> but like, you know, just little, well, I did this for you, so I love you more, but no. Do your I, phone calls end with, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. Not all the time. <laughs> Continue. My phone calls often end Arnold Schwarzenegger style with a uh, tape recorder. Uh huh. Mm. <laughs> Your mother and father are dead. No, I was doing true lies. I know, but I'm just Schwarzenegger. Yeah, fuck, man, you threw me. <laughs> <laughs> Your foster parents are both dead. Yeah, that's what the line is. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, how do we get there? Um, Talking we, about Marge and Homer. Yeah, okay. So they go from the uh, the laundry up to the kitchen, yep. and she's finishing the story, saying he. Yesterday, he read a Charlotte's Web and cried at the end, never trying to hide his tears. (laughs) (laughs) A book made him cry. (laughs) (laughs) Instantly sets Homer up as this counter Bergstrom. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anti Bergstrom. And also Bart too, it just shows that she, it's trying to show that Lisa has no male role model in her life that she needs. Yeah. And, and Berg- they, Bergstrom is that male role model she's been looking that for. That they operate on a different plane. Yeah. And Lisa in particular is higher status than those two. The great example, probably of this entire episode of how dismissive Lisa is towards Homer, comes in the following scene. So Bergstrom sends the kids out to class and then holds Lisa back for a moment. Uh, and even that he sends him off in the class to go look for volcanic rocks or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but then he's like, Lisa, your homework is always so neat. How can I put this? Does your father help you with it? No. Homework's not my father's special. Well, there's no shame in it. I mean, my dad not could... Not mine. You didn't let me finish. Unless the next word was burp, you didn't have to. That is a really dismissive little... Not little. Like, that's as dismissive as it gets. And the frown on her face and that sort of thing. And I guess it's that moment where... Bergstrom then realises that maybe he needs to give Lisa more attention because she's not getting it elsewhere and he can see how special a kid she is and he kind of, you know, wants to segue, not in her life, but more in Homer's life and just sort of see what's happening there. They reuse that gag as well in an upcoming episode that you like. Mr. Lisa goes to Washington. About Homer helping with the homework. Yeah, the exact same joke. After speaking with your father, I've decided to award you a further five points. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, so then it cuts to the Barton-Martin debate. Where- the best one. <laughs> this is... now, And from this point on, and I'm so glad of what's going on in America right now for this podcast to be coming out. Because it's pretty Barton relevant, is isn't it? Donald Trump. Exactly right, He's yeah. just shouting the loudest, and it doesn't matter how stupid it is. Just, just saying keywords. people to shout with him. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and particularly, again, this was a joke that as a kid I didn't understand because I didn't know what asbestos was when I was younger. Neither. So you've got, yeah, obviously now, kills you, yeah. basically. 
bad for you. Really so bad. Martin talking about how there's this much asbestos in the walls, and Bart just instantly cutting him off. In a sample taken in this very classroom, a state inspector found 1.74 parts per million of asbestos. That's not enough. We demand more asbestos. More asbestos. More asbestos. More asbestos. I forgot just how funny that line was till I rewatched it for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets everyone chanting with it. And Mr. Kabob was just gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> what, what can I do here to to, to fix this? So then it cuts to um to Bart and he's telling Homer about how he's not winning the campaign. I guess he's is he saying he's winning the campaign? He's just saying basically it's a popularity contest. He doesn't see it as a big deal. Yeah. And Homer's like wanting to live vicariously through Bart. He's like, no, popularity is the most important thing in the world. Yeah. You need to keep doing it. And like we're going back to the conversation about Bart. Do you think that he really wanted to win the presidential thing in the whole? Or do you think he just liked the fact that people were paying him attention? I get the feeling that he didn't want to really win until he got the speech from Homer. And then it became important. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Homer made it seem like a bigger deal than what it is. Yeah. But then at the end, Homer flips it around. Yeah, he does. Homer sort of saves it. But I think that's what drives Bart the most, is the the disappointment of letting down his dad, as well as missing out on what what he's been told and what he believed is the most important thing. Yeah. And then we get the montage. Running on the campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Martin's putting signs up saying, a vote for Bart is a vote for anarchy. Bart putting the exact same sign up. The exact same sign up, but with like an exclamation mark. It's very tongue-in-cheek. It's it's great. Also, we get the the sex, now that I've got your attention. Yeah, the most overused since uh, billboard or poster or whatever it might be that I think is in existence. Did The Simpsons do it first? I'm not aware of it being in existence before then. And then once the montage is over, they're watching Bart doing some shenanigans outside. That's Mr. Bergstrom and Lisa. Yeah. And Bergstrom says something like, you'll miss your brother. You'll never go broke appealing to the lowest common denominator. You're going to miss your brother's antics. When? When? When your life takes you places the rest of us have only heard about. Places where my intelligence will be an asset and not a liability? Yes. There is such a place. Believe me, it's true. I believe everything you say with your words, your body language, and your Semitic good looks. And never a truer word is spoken. You'll never go broke appealing to the common denominator. That's why I make sure I say dick at least once in every episode of this podcast. <laughs> but Mr. Bertram basically says to her that you should set your goals high. You're going to get away from here. Yeah. He'll be here forever. Yeah. But you've, you're, you're going to go to a place you're gonna, where you're admired. Yeah, you're going like, to achieve things. Yeah. But also, this is the moment when you get the really awkward line from Lisa saying you semantic good looks. Yeah. Was, and Mr. Bertram looks at her a bit confused. Do you think at that point, that's when Mr. Bertram's starting to think, wait a minute, this may be not getting out of hand, but... There's something to her giving me this much attention. We had comments. Look, on, look had, they don't we, delve into it. It's we had just comments on the away. Facebook page of people saying it was creepy. I can see why they think that's creepy. If you want to take that kind of angle, if you want to go that way, I think you just if, need if, to if not eight, go that way. If an eight-year-old is saying you have good looks, something needs to be done. You don't yeah. then hold her hand and walk around the museum. Honestly, I just take it as funny. For me, I just laughed. It's and the then Simpsons. They, I know exactly. They move on, and it, it it doesn't happen anymore. They don't do anything about delving into it. So I think it's just a funny line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of how unexpected it is, it's yes. a shock value line. Exactly. And then he tells the kids that the um the Museum of Natural History is closing down due to lack of interest. Yeah. And you should all check it out. She apparently asked Homer to take her there. Homer yep. tries to make up excuses, but he gets yep. your favorite in dialogue. One of my bits of favorite dialogue. Marge, I'd love to, but I was planning on sleeping, eating a big sandwich, watching TV, spending time with a boy. Spending time with a boy. But Marge is not having any of it. She basically says, Homer, you need to take her. So he just sucks it up and he decides to take her. Now, <laughs> I thought when this museum scene started, it reminded me very much of how this podcast is going. 
<laughs> oh, you can pay subscriptions, but you don't. What have are you to. doing? Yeah. You don't need to do that. <laughs> Read the sign, buddy. I want a meme of our faces, <laughs> of a listener's face with us. Well, a listener going to put money in with yeah. our like picture on the on the board or whatever, and another fan saying, "You don't have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You don't have to pay. It's free." <laughs> I just saw the exact same thing. But it's like I said, it's a great way to compare the difference between Homer and Mr. Bergstrom. Mr. Bergstrom yeah. walks in and goes to put money in straight away. In a cu- Yeah. And then in a couple very brief moments at different exhibits, Bergstrom knows something about everything. And the, mummy, it, the mummy or whatever, yeah. yeah. And again, is able to open up Lisa's mind and talk, teach her new things and just be so inspiring the whole time. Like, he's always on. Yeah. It's, he never has a down moment. He's always trying to get the best out of somebody. He's not, and not in a smuggish way either. Yeah. Like, he's not trying to prove how much he knows. He's just trying to help people. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got Homer playing with your little electric ball, like, with the static <laughs> electricity, and then the, uh, the, <laughs> the immortal lines. Still, I'd rather have him chasing me than the wolf man. Oh, Lord. Getting back to that um, the electricity ball thing, I thought it was quite sad when he, Lisa's doing it, Homer walks over to join in with her, and she just walks off. She walks him. off, yeah. Like, that was mean. You want him to show interest in what you're doing. He does it, and you just dismiss him and walk off. That's not what you should have done. Yeah, but for the same reason as Homer isn't aware of the fact that he's being kind of cruel to her, I don't think Lisa's necessarily being aware of that either. Mm. All she knows is that right at that moment, being around him is embarrassing for her because everything that he's saying is dumb, and she wants to appear smart. Yeah, that's true. I did like the conversation that Mr. Bergstrom and Homer have at the cafe. Oh, yeah. Mr. Simpson, you have got to be a bigger man. There is a wonderful girl's future at stake. Well, if she's so wonderful, give her an A. I am giving her an A. Great, but don't tell her it was a favor to me. Tell her she earned it. Mr. Simpson, she did earn it. You are smooth. I'll give you that. It's one of the great moments of Homer being so infuriatingly stupid. Yeah. It's like when he's trying to bribe the guy to find out where Herb lives. Like, Detroit. He's in Detroit. It's, it's <laughs> that. Like I was going to say, I think that it, the only thing I didn't like is I think they dumped Homer down a little bit too much. Yeah, a little bit. They did that thing of he still thinks he's smart because he thinks he got the best of the, that exchange. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, if you think she's so special, give her an A. I am giving her an A. Yeah. Good. Don't tell her it was for me. <laughs> say that she earned it. She did earn it. Pretty smooth. I'll give you that. And this is where Mr. Bergstrom... Would you say that he's really annoyed by Homer now? Yeah. You think he's, he's starting to see what Lisa sees, I think. Yeah. So it cuts to Lisa. She's embarrassed. Like She thinks Homer's ruined everything. Like Lisa, like, he's ruined any chance I had of having a, com- a relationship with Mr. Bergstrom. You shouldn't be having a relationship, Mr. Bergstrom. Not relationship. No, no. I'm not meaning it like that, but it's just like, why? I think she said getting closer to. The yeah. reason it's so important to her is because no one else in Springfield ever mm. has been this for her. She is head and shoulders above everyone else that she's ever spoken to for intelligence. Yeah. And finally, there's someone that she can speak with on her level. That's all it is. I just she's... think in the real world, that wouldn't happen, though. Yeah, but it's not the real world. But see, we treat this show like it's a real thing. I don't know that we do. Uh, when Homer, we've we've had discussions about re- through, we've had discussions about realism before. Homer jumped down Springfield Gorge. Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, but in the real world, and, and we we pointed that out. No, no, we've had discussions about things. Would that happen in the real world? I just I think it's a thing. It, where it, never you have got to, to, it never got to that point though. Lisa, in her mind, because she's an eight year old, she wanted that to happen. Like we said, Mr. Bergstrom probably was too smart to actually say, "Okay, Lisa, I will be your friend in the real world," because. In the real world, it probably wouldn't, but it never got to that point. It was just Lisa wanting that in her head because she loved yeah, it so much. Yeah, of course. But again, though, it's something that you need to look more at what the theme is of what's going on as opposed to yeah. what the literal is of what she's what the actual words on paper are saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she wants to um, invite him over for dinner. Marge suggests it. Yeah. And that's when she realizes that Miss Hoover's back. And yeah. her world just comes crashing down. Yeah. Uh, like the worst possible time for it to happen, yeah. too. And summed up so well with that. Like, he didn't even touch my lesson plan. What did he teach you? That life is worth living. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's 
that's my first quiver of the lip. When Lisa really? says that, that's when I first go like, oh God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Poor I, little kid. That one didn't get me, but yeah, that's, that's a pretty dramatic line. And then it cuts the Bart, um, he's virtually going to win the election. Like, yeah. Everyone's very for- <laughs> I love Martin. Just got the shivers. <laughs> he can't even talk. He's just devastated. <laughs> Been destroyed. And then Bart says, victory, victory party under the slide. Yeah. Everyone goes outside, forgets the vote. Yeah. <laughs> did, could you see that coming? I thought that was a really good bait and switch. I did yeah, not no, see that, coming, see that at all. coming at all. Even though I've seen it before, I couldn't remember how it ends. I remember Bart losing, but I couldn't remember how it happens. Oh, okay. Well, I knew that because I know this episode inside out, but... No, it, it, it's not telegraphed in any way that that's what would happen. So then Lisa goes to look for Mr. Bergstrom, goes to his apartment, and he's moved out. He's yep. going to a new job. And then there's a woman... Slight streetcar named Desire reference, shouting out Mr. Bergstrom, Mr. Bergstrom under the window. Oh, yeah, didn't pick up bit, on that. A little bit in there. Mr. Bergstrom! Hey, hey, he moved out this morning. He must have a new job. He took his Copernicus costume. Do you know where I can find him? Uh, I think he's taking the next train to Capital City. The train. How like him. Traditional yet environmentally sound. I reckon it might have been Maggie Roswell voicing that woman in the window as well, by the way. It does sound like it. It's just her normal voice, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Or a listener can just tell us. Um, and as we said, nobody votes for Bart. Martin wins. It's just a really funny twist. Yeah. And we get and the, the loves it. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's yeah. rubbing it in. I demand a recount. Yeah. <laughs> One for Martin. Two for Martin. Do you want another recount? No. I better, just to be sure. <laughs> uh, and then, yes, yeah, so um, Martin turns around holds it, holding up the newspaper, Simpson defeats Prince. Reference to Harry Truman in the 1948 election. It was a really, really tight down-to-the-wire yeah. election. Uh, so I think it was the Chicago Tribune that had already printed up papers saying Dewey defeats Truman. Really? So Truman, ironically, holding that up going, ha, 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 suck it. As opposed to, in this case, I think Martin holding it up. Of course, I didn't even realise it's it's saying the other, that's why he's holding it up. Of yeah, course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in this case, Martin's holding it up just because that was the only paper on hand, and he's smug. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so fantastic. I think every intelligent character on this show is very smug. Yeah, that's probably why I like them all so much. <laughs> and then we cut to probably the most, oh, one of two most iconic scenes. It's what everyone remembers this episode for, Lisa finding Mr. Bergstrom on the train. At the train station, yeah. I'll leave you to it, man. This is your thing. Ah, uh, well, it, this is where the episode just wraps you up, basically. It just says, all right, that last 18 minutes, that's the entree. It could have ended here. It, it quite easily could have. But I'm glad, but they, didn't. Been I'm glad a, they didn't. It wouldn't have been as a complete story. Yeah. It, it's actually a really sad scene. Like, as inspiring mm. as it is, it's also really, really sad. So, obviously, Bergstrom's about to get on the train, and Lisa just cannot fathom the fact that this would happen. And he delivers it so well. And not only that, I feel like I know more about what it is to be a substitute teacher after this. Yeah. That, as you said, you know, it's the life of a fraud. And then... You don't really think about them like that, do you? Yeah, no, you don't. They, then, they, they just go from school to school and never, they can't really, it's like a kid that has like a, a parent in the army or something, you just can move from area to area. Or yeah, whatever. and what I love is Lisa says, I need you, and Mr. Bergstrom, Dustin Hoffman, doesn't say, no, you don't, you can do it on your own, acknowledges the fact that, yes, you do, but as he said, uh, his line is, and it's so perfect, it can't be summed up any better, that's the trouble with being middle class. Anyone that wants to help you will abandon you for people who need it more. And you know, she understands, like, takes that on board. And it's such an amazing life lesson to learn that, uh, that you know, you can't rely on other people be- and because the genuinely good ones are going to be looking for people worse off than you. I also really like, though, throughout, that they managed to sneak in, again, smug, that, like, there'll be other teachers. No, not like you. No, I can't lie to you. I am the best. Did he say that? I can't yeah, remember him saying that's that. That's one of the lies. It's amazing. <laughs> And then he gets on the train, and then she says, I hope you don't mind, I'm just going to chase the train along with you. Yeah. 
This and was... then, but well, he gives her the note first. He does. And give it, like, the she's note. crying. It's like, I'll tell you what, whenever you're feeling sad or you've, you know, you're feeling small, just read this. And then he jumps on the train. As you said, if you don't mind, I'm just going to run alongside the train as it speeds you from my life. Like, yeah, speeds. That's a good line. It, 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 the whole thing's written so goddamn well and acted so beautifully by both Yardley and uh, Dustin. Like, uh, obviously Dustin, but Yardley, holy shit, does she lift her game here? She's acting one on one against one of the greatest of all time and nails it. Before we before we get into the note and the exclamation point, I don't know whether you saw this as a kid. It might be a, a completely stupid thing to remind me of. Did you ever see the movie Dot and the Kangaroo? No. Okay, that was a movie I loved when I was a kid. It was an Australian movie where it's... it's no. <laughs> where it's like your, your Blinky Bills movies where it's cartoons on real backgrounds. Oh, yeah. And at, basically at the end, the girl, the kangaroo brings her back home because she gets lost. Kangaroo, she becomes friends with Kangaroo Talks, the kangaroo, but it's a movie anyway. Brings the kid back home and then the kangaroo says, I have to leave. And she's like, no, I want, you, I want to show you to my dad. But the kangaroo knows that if she, the kangaroo goes to the home, the dad will shoot her. So, it's like Harry and the Hendersons. Exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, yeah, she, she goes, all right, you, you wait here, kangaroo. I'll go get my dad. And when I come back, I'll, well, I'll introduce you. She, she runs to get her dad. At that moment, the kangaroo, the kangaroo has a moment, the close up on its face, bails. And she gets back and she's like, kangaroo. That's how it ends. She's like, kangaroo, where are you? Where are you? And it just shows the kangaroo bouncing away Man. and the girl crying. Man, oh, as a kid's movie. Gut-wrenching. Oh, Holy shit, man. Yeah, but no, that's exactly like it, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. Go! Yeah, yeah. We don't, nobody loves you! Yeah, it, it's, it's very, very similar in a sense, but the, the thing about this was the kid didn't know that she was going to bail. So she yeah. went to go get her dad to introduce, she comes back, the kangaroo's gone. And, and being a kangaroo doesn't have the chance to explain it. Yeah. It just has to go. And it just that's how it ends, of her crying and the kangaroo running away, hopping away. That's how the movie ends. Oh, sounds good. I'm going to watch that this Sunday. You should seriously watch it, man. Oh, it's just heartbreaking. But anyway, just for all you Australian listeners out there, do you remember Dr. Kangaroo? It, did it remind you of that moment? Because that's exactly what it did for me. Right. But now, getting to that note. Of course. So, she point. looks down, picks it up. You are Lisa Simpson. Yes. Is there a more perfect note that you could give to anybody in the entire world to make them feel better about themselves? That it sums up everything. That you are special. Yes. Just, you don't need to be... I don't need to be the best cricketer in the world. I don't need to have a comedy audience of five million people. I just need to be me. Like that, it's just perfect that you cannot possibly get a better, like how in four words you could sum up something so eloquently is beyond me. And, and nobody else will ever be you. No, exactly. Unless you have a twin, in which case you're probably swapping. But they're still not you. You know what I mean? No, no, no of course not. Yeah. <laughs> Having a twin would be handy though. But oh, I out- love it. Yeah. <laughs> but outside of that... Yeah, no, it's exactly. You are you, you are special. You're, it, it just appeals to the sentimental side of me and should do for everybody. And that's when, for me, that's the first moment where I just well up and just go, yeah. God damn it. I, I cried, I teared up more at the, the exchange of please don't go, please don't go, please don't go. By the time we'd gotten the train, I'd settled. Okay. But a lot of people seem to be, it seems to be for a lot of people that once she opens a note, that's what gets It's them. just the explosion of beauty. And, you know, I really like it when people can sum it up simply. Like, it takes a genius to explain a difficult concept in a, in a few words. I was watching an episode of The West Wing recently, and there's a moment where somebody gets... Uh, a security guard, basically, gets shot. And you've spent a few episodes Dead? getting to know this guy. Yeah, killed. Um, just a, happened. He's one of the Secret Service agents, happens to just walk into a random armed robbery in a milk bar and gets shot and killed. And it's right at a point where we've really come to like him. He's played by... Um, Gibbs from NCIS. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the so you know, kind of handsome enough, kind of silver fox type guy Rugged. who just gets killed. Now it's sad when it gets killed, and you see one of the characters that really liked him just 
railing, like bawling her eyes out for it, and that's all really sad as well. But it's not until after a little bit there's another couple that are just having an argument over something, and then the phone rings halfway through that argument. She picks up the phone, her face drops, she looks at her partner and just says, uh, I forget his name, but it's like, Gibbs. Honey, yeah, Gibbs was shot and killed. And they both just drop. And that, for me, is the bit where, when I watched that episode, that's when I cry. It's not at the actual sad bit beforehand. It's that moment where it cuts through and becomes real. And unites people. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the whole, I guess, like, the big moments, you kind of go on that ride, and then you go, holy shit. And then, yeah, and that, that for me, is what Lisa's note does. It's that moment yeah. where it just gives you a moment of clarity about everything that's just come before, and that's when it all comes out. It's great directing in this episode it's as well. amazing directing. Yeah, just the whole... It's the amazing way- everything. Yeah, it really is great. But what I was also going to say is, are you glad that they didn't have Hoffman doing a voiceover reading that note? Yeah, definitely. That would have been terrible. It would have been too much, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the way it was just done, it was just... It couldn't have been better, that, that scene. Perfect. Yeah. Understated and brilliant. One of the things I wanted to mention, as I said on the Facebook page earlier today, was a bit of trivia. The note was meant to have an exclamation point. Is it yeah. an exclamation point or mark? I think either. In America, know. it's an exclamation point. In point. Australia, we refer to it as an exclamation mark. That's what I thought, but I Googled it, and it says point, and I'm like, eh, I'll just use point. It's anyway. a line with a dot. Yes. I'm glad they didn't do it, and it seems a lot of people on the Facebook page are glad as well. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, me too. I think it would have been too aggressive. You could have underlined Lisa Simpson rather than an exclamation. But if they had have had it, and I know that it was weird. The animator was saying that he kicks himself over it to this day. I really don't see that it would have worked as well. It's better being soft. You're talking to an upset eight-year-old. You don't want to yell at her. Yeah, it fit his character. He wouldn't yeah. yell. He, never, he only yelled in the episode when he was sort of teaching them something or just it, it needed that moment. He, he would never yell just in a general conversation. He'd never yell at somebody. No, no. Yell to them, but yep. not at them. It, putting an exclamation point on it is kind of the equivalent of having him, had he said it to her, with an exclamation, saying it the way the note was written, it's putting a soft hand on her shoulder and saying, you are Lisa Simpson. Exclamation point is like grabbing her by the shoulder, shaking her back and forth, saying, you are Lisa Simpson. Yeah, wake up to yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, no, perfect the way it was. But apparently John Vitti, the writer, was devastated that it didn't make it like that. Yeah. I think that's sort of like a divine intervention. <laughs> yeah, probably. One of our guys, is that famous painter, saying that there are no mistakes, just happy accidents. Yeah. That's a classic example of that, that the mistake is better than it could have possibly been. But apparently to this day, it still bothers him. He would have preferred the exclamation mark. Well, to this day, he is wrong. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not going to read out all the comments, but the general consensus was on the Facebook page that they were glad that it didn't have the exclamation point. Maybe we should uh, Photoshop an exclamation point in there and put it up there and see if people notice it. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin with great... You will not Don't... shit on my childhood, yeah. Dando. <laughs> and then from there, we get the real ending of the episode. Because a lot of people think of this as the ending. I remember that I thought I was the ending. And when yeah. I looked at it, I'm like, this is like the 18 minute mark. What, what happens after this? Yeah. And well, then, man. It, really, there's a lot of unresolved stuff going on if they had have ended it. I like the next stuff better. But that's just me. Oh, me too. Like, the next stuff's great. This just leads into that. This just gives that thing that An epic is setup. about to happen. Exactly. It's everything that happens with Homer now carries so much more weight behind it. And it's... Just both of the kids grumpy at the table, and they're talking about, you know, what's going on. One of the great lines from Homer as well, and I'm sure any parent has thought this at some point when their kid is making something that the parent is being dismissive of, because you forget that when you're young, everything that happens to you, a lot of the time is the first thing that's happened, the first time it's happened to you, so it's the biggest thing in the world. Someone pulled my hair. Yeah, exactly. Hey, just because I don't care doesn't mean I don't understand. Classic homehood quote, yeah. yeah exactly. It's really good. That's a great hu- quote for any husband as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's our goal for the week, right? That's our homework. We have to, at some point, 
in our exchanges with our wives. Use that quote and see what happens. See if I can. And then come back next week and tell them. It'll be hard to manufacture manufacture Ash to say, I didn't think you'd care. Do something to her, make her really upset. I didn't think you'd understand. (laughs) I have to start talking about hair straightness or something. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But come back next week and tell, we'll have to tell the listeners how much our wives hate us now. <laughs> so, I can't remember what gets to the point We of, should get the wives back on. We need to do round two of the trivia. That would be good, yeah. Mm. That's really fun. Was it that quote that got Lisa to say, you are a baboon? What was it? Yeah, it was. It was that quote, yeah. Yeah. It says, just because I don't care doesn't mean I don't understand. And that's when she stands up from the table. And again, great acting from Yardley. Yeah. That gathers herself and with all of her strength. I'm glad I'm not crying. Because I would hate for you to think that what I'm about to say is based on emotion. But you, sir, are a baboon! (gasps) Me? Yes, you! Baboon, 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 baboon! I don't think you realize what you're saying. Baboon! Great dialogue. It is, again, brilliant writing, and it's so cold and brutal. Like, that this isn't... In reality, she is being emotional, but she is putting it across as being a cold and calculated, I think this of you. I despise you, and this is all you are to me. For, for off the top of my head, I cannot think of a more well-written scene of The Simpsons in, in the It'd be really hard to find anything that's better than it. Maybe some stuff that's as good, but it'd be really hard to top it. Just adding, like, Lisa saying like that at the start of it, but yeah. I, I'd hate for you to think that I'm crying. Like, that's yeah. just amazing dialogue. Yeah, and then... I love the way that she just screams it and repeats it. Like, baboon, baboon, baboon! And then Homer's just like, what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> he still doesn't baboon! Get it. And then screams, tears off. And then, as we touched on before, Homer, they're like, she called me a baboon. And then Marge... <laughs> he's, he's so angry at her. Yeah. And then Marge rams it home. Homer, you're not allowed to have hurt feelings right now. There's a little girl upstairs who needs you. Her confidence in her father is shaken, and no little girl can be happy unless she has faith in her daddy. So good, man. Yeah. Marge just cutting through to the heart of the issue. Like, you forget how much Marge sees as the mother. Yeah. And then little moments like this are the ones where it, it just cuts through. Even the use of the word daddy as opposed to father. Yeah. You know, like, because she's an eight-year-old. It's yeah, her daddy, exactly. you yeah. know? But I also think Bart, a great line from Bart, well, someone was bound to say it, I didn't think it was going to yeah. be <laughs> It's just every character in this scene had the best dialogue. Yeah. And they again, they do such a great job of keeping things funny while also being emotional at yeah. the same time. Like I, I watched... This is a skill that is slipping out of comedy for me. Like I went to watch Sisters yesterday. Good. I heard it's ter- it was okay. I heard it's terrible, but women will watch it. It had funny moments. John Cena's very good in it. He's actually kind of becoming very He's good. He's transitioning a, from wrestling to movies now. To He's comedy not- cameos yeah. in, in movies. But what it does do, and so many comedies have done this of late, Trainwreck did it, that... Oh, that movie bothered me. You know how, like, any movie, golden movies of the 90s, Golden comedy movies. And I don't say the 90s just to be nostalgic. It's just that that's, that's when what we grew a up lot with. of them tend to have come out. Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, all those sorts of things. They would tell stories. They would have emotional beats. But they would still be funny during the emotional beats. Whereas what movies do now, it's like they're two different s- scripts that are chopped up and put together. So you have five minutes of just trying to be funny. And then suddenly the music changes and the characters are sitting down with serious faces on a porch somewhere talking about love and whatever. And then it's it's like it's a completely different movie. And then it'll be five minutes of being funny again. It kind of fell into that trap a little bit. Whereas this is touching and emotional with funny lines every couple beats. Now, we, we glossed over, but Bart is upset about having lost out on a debate. Um, well, Lisa, the first thing is Lisa's in her bedroom crying at home. He's gone up to help her. Yeah, exactly. Well, Marge has pretty much sent him up there to fix it. Yeah. And 
like here he takes a big sigh. Like even the reading the sign, like again, this just underscores that Homer is not as smart as everyone else. That go away, yeah, <laughs> oh. and then just and just gathers himself before he walks in. I think it's a great Homer moment, though. Yeah, and there's it is, and as is the first line where he's just looking for the easy way out. Are you crying because you called Daddy a baboon? <laughs> no, <laughs> nuts. <Yeah. laughs> it's just that little light to himself. Nuts. He yeah. really wanted that to be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think though that whenever someone says that Homer's a bad dad, you just got to show him this scene. Yeah, because like I said earlier in the podcast, he was being a bad dad during the episode, but not maliciously. He wasn't deliberately doing it. No, he's just oblivious to who he is. Yeah, and once Marge called him out for it, he woke up and he, this is. Would you say Homer has is, the sweetest heart of anyone in the show? Yeah, he just like oh man, my favorite line in the whole episode is No, you lost someone special and it hurts. I'm lucky because I never lost anyone special to me. Everyone special to me is under this roof. It's true. Yeah, God, that's where I start crying again. That's what got me. Yeah. yeah. Because he knocks the music box and I'm like, yeah. oh god, the music. And then he says, Everyone important to me is under this roof. Yeah. And then she's like, Oh, Dad. He's like, No, it's true. And I'm, I'm lucky because like, I've never lost anybody that I care oh, about. How good is that line? Yeah. At that moment, I was just like, That is why this show is so successful. Yeah. It does gloss over his mother, but that hadn't been written I in thought yet. that as well, but yeah, they hadn't written that into yeah. the story yet. But yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And then turns it around with the laughter of, like, you know. At least I'm good at monkey work, you know. Monkey. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can hold these nails in place with my tail. A genuinely smart joke. Like, I am good with that, you know, monkey business. And then picks her up and just gets her laughing. And Being again, a dad. And in that moment, again, everything that's happened before, Lisa realizes why she loves him. That he loves her and they've got a bond that no one else is ever going to come close to having. Yeah. So, this, per- is pro- this, perfect this is probably my favourite Homer scene of all time, I think. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's so good. Then, once she's tucked in, goes off to Bart, lays down. Like, this is back more in Family Jewels territory of Homer yeah, advice. Yeah, yeah. But, that, like, do you get anything for that? No. And do you have to do a whole bunch of extra work? Yeah. So, what? let the baby have his bottle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, who cares? And then, again, Bart. A nice moment from Bart with, thanks, monkey man. Yeah. Like, it just... A good tie-in, even though it wasn't meant to be. Not, yeah, Even though exactly. Bart didn't mean it like that. You know? Yeah, he's saying it in a nice, cheeky way. And again, like just a little nice father-son moment that he just fixes it simply. Then, of course, Maggie, just with the dummy. And then and then it's such a great final line from Homer as well. Like, Homie, did you straighten everything Don't say anything, Marge. Let's just go to bed. I'm on the biggest roll of my life. Perfect ending. The, the perfect ending of the season. Everything wrapped up and done in a way that felt real. I, like, I, I challenge you listeners to find a better story told on, on The Simpsons. Yeah. yeah, it cannot, From beginning to end. Cannot be done. Like we've said before, some episodes feel rushed in their ending. This didn't... Like it, it's, it's a concise ending, but it's a perfectly balanced, timed, everything about it. It's just so good. You forget that the substitute isn't the story. He's the setup for the overall story of the the whole the story of this episode is the relationship between Lisa and Homer. Between Charlotte and Wilbur. What? <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Bergstrom is just what binds them together. Yeah. And he did so just by being him. Yeah. And for all of the other themes, like uh, political satire, the just the idea of embarrassing par- parents in general, forget about We've all been embarrassed by parents at some point in our life. Totally. Yeah. Everybody. The herd mentality of just everyone... Like, that's the thing that The Simpsons touch on all the time. But again, so 
Bart shouts one thing and everyone else just sh- shouts it along with him. Your first love, like it, it talks about that feeling of butterflies and how that person is the greatest thing in your life. That you don't even know how to. You don't know how to handle it. No, you don't and, know how to react to the situation. No. Uh, inspiring teachers as well. Like again, everyone. Luke Nash pointed was saying to someone else that like I think everyone either had a really inspiring teacher or they were let down by the system. They, everyone had that one person that made them believe they could be better than what they are. Yeah. And then finally, coping with loss. Like, it touches on real, genuine heartbreak and losing the thing that you care so much about. Like, there's so much going on in this episode. I haven't seen too many of the later seasons. I wonder, and I'm hoping a listener out there can tell us, if that note has ever reappeared just for a cameo. Whether it's pinned, whether it's pinned to her wall in her bedroom or something. I've never noticed it. But it'd be really good if it was. Yeah, if it is, and, and you're aware of it, write in. Yeah, just tell us on the Facebook page. Facebook.com slash discount. Mm. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from this episode, Mitch? I learned that there actually were a few Jewish cowboys, big guys who were great shots and spent money freely. My exact thing is, Jewish cowboys were big guys with great shots who spent money freely. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. I love like, that it's just you talking the exact the same fa- thing yeah. off the top of your head. Mother yep. f- uh, that's what I learned. <laughs> <laughs> it obviously must be a good line because it just stuck with us. Yeah. yeah. It's just the way it's done. And again, yeah. that was a line that as a kid didn't mean as much to me. And then when I'm older, I realized that Dustin Hoffman was Jewish and the fact that they've written that in there just to talk himself up. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, again, like this is one of those subtle jokes that's going to go over the, the head of kids and it's pitched right at adults. Obviously, the main joke about Jews is that they're tight with money. So I love oh, the fact course, that yes. this has nothing to do with being a cowboy and he's just thrown in at the end and spent money freely. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It went over my head. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into some trivia. Do you want to go first, Mitch? Uh, yeah, sure thing, Dando. I would like you to tell me when the revolver was invented. 1740? No. no. 1835. 1835. I know why. You have a revolver, but the revol- revolver wasn't invented until 18, 1835. Okay, then. What teeth can you see when you make Mr. Bergstrom really smile? The I think they're called the eye teeth? Yes. Yes. Alrighty. I'm going to throw another one at you. When did Texas become a state? No idea. 1845. Oh, that's the 1840 I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, and what's the name of the cafe that Bergstrom and Homer eat at at the uh, museum? Something Heroes. Age of. Age of Heroes. Yes, oh, I don't right. know if it's Heroes. It's H-E-R-O-S. Heroes? I just assumed it was a play on word for, uh, like, Age of, obviously, being in a, the Museum of Natural History, yeah. but Heroes, like, a, uh, an, another word for a subway. Okay, maybe. Yeah. Like a meatball hero. Yep. Oh. Probably is. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if sandwich plural is different to hero plural. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I'm going to throw trivia. one final okay, question at you. What is the stuffing used in mummies, according to Mr. Bergstrom? Oh, Jesus, I have no idea. What is it? Sawdust and onions. Really? Yes. And onions? Yeah. Is it really? It'd have to be that. Bergstrom wouldn't say it unless it was true. I wouldn't have thought so. I believe everything that he says. <laughs> Javel! Javel is here! Ooh! Okay, kicking off the mailbag, when we started recording tonight, we threw out a post just asking yeah. listeners for their favourite memories. We figured for an episode this important and this so universally loved that we wanted to get a little bit of direct feedback from you guys. So, we've had them coming in thick and fast. Dando, you've been reading through. You're going to pick out a few of your favourites. Yeah, we haven't got the time to read all of them. Um, Ace Lee There says, are 29 of them, so we won't be doing that. <laughs> Ace Lee says, definitely the fact that Mr. Bergstrom made every kid feel special, even if they were just being silly. It made them feel special because they were just being themselves. Even the eyelids flipped inside by out by that kid. He was like, gross, but I love it. I wish I had a teacher like that as a kid, even for a short time. Teachers can change children. I was lucky enough to have had some decent teachers in high school, but if I had been shown that young that being yourself, no matter how different you are, is good, that's a lesson every kid should experience, which is true. Yeah, definitely. Unless you're a shit kid. <laughs> do you think it's <laughs> like if you're just a little prick, you need to be told to be someone how else? How do you think a character like Mr. Bergstrom would have, the, the interaction would have been with a character like Bart, per se? 
Do you think he would have had such an impact, or do you think he only impacts the smart kids? No, I think he could impact everyone. He just would have steered Bart into a more creative outlet for his expressions. I would have liked to have seen rather it. than try rather to try to be a krabappel to curb it. I reckon he would be more of the one that would push Bart into drama or sport or whatever it might be, something to give him something to do, as opposed to keep him. Bart's not a kid that's meant to be sitting behind a desk. That's an avenue I wish I had have taken it, where Mr. Bergsham helps Bart as well. Would have been cool. It would have been... I mean, just saying he's... You he, can't just call Dustin Hoffman and say, hey, can you come back, please? But it would have been great if they ever had the opportunity to do that with a second episode. Yeah, that would be really cool. Just because the, the interaction would be completely opposite. Yeah. Because he would have to win Bart over, where he didn't have to win Lisa over. She just she loved him from the get-go. Yeah, you know? exactly. It'd be like Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Bart just sitting there not talking to him for the first three <laughs> lessons until finally he cracks. And he goes, how do you like them apples? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Lovejoy. I got a number. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Caitlin Lowe says, The episode is always so great to watch. It's heartwarming and focuses a lot on Lisa's character development that hasn't been seen too much in previous episodes in the show. We've had a couple of Lisa episodes so far. Maybe Bart versus Yeah, but still, still not as Not as much as prominent. this, no way. It's no. more that unless they make a specific episode, Lisa doesn't feature very much. Well, she's like as Caitlin says, she really shines in this episode and yeah. it's obviously a real tearjerker. Do you think there's anyone out there that would not get caught up a little bit by this episode? It's just, it's hard not to, especially, I think, in the Homer scene. Donald Trump would be one. <laughs> More has, asbestos. He has no heart. <laughs> he, no, he, he, I like he, that Bart character. He, what? he cries when Bart doesn't win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So, yeah, but that's a couple of really good ones. But thanks to everyone that commented on the Facebook post. We can't read them all out because we're, we've gone way over this episode. But it, this episode deserves it. If there's any episode we're going to go really long for, it's this one. Yeah, and, yeah. totally. But, um, yeah, so facebook.com slash fourfinger discount from now and We're going to put... This post up asking what you like most about the episode and the best ones to get ready out. But yeah, yeah that was a bit of a test and thanks for everyone that commented on the post. Mm-hmm. So now let's get into the shout outs. Yeah. Uh, well, that, well, I'm going to treat those as the shout outs. Yeah, okay, we'll do enough. a slightly shortened mailbag based on the fact that we have gone massively on actually talking about... Sh- if, shout if out again Simpsons... to uh, Jeff Carpenter, by the way, for the donation. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jeff. <laughs> it was, um, you should have seen my... <laughs> look at my phone, how much the guy paid us. I won't say how much it is, but it was enough. And Let's then- just say it moved us <laughs> to a bigger house. And the, my workmate goes, what are you smiling about? I was like, shit. <laughs> That's how happy I was. I, was I just- thought you had a typo. <laughs> I know. He emailed me. I'm like, what? Yeah, decimal place. It's like a day's wage. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. But thanks, man. Really do appreciate it. And if, you, like we said, if you want to like, just give something to the, give something to the show, just a little bit of support, uh, fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate. You don't have to, but if you feel like it, why not? Please do. And... If you're feeling giving as well, we are still running the promotion for my our good friends over there at Sursock. Oh, yeah, if okay, you yeah. are looking at getting some gifts for some people and you want to get some nice, comfy footwear, with some footwear with a little bit of colour, a little bit of splash, something to add to your daily wardrobe. Sur- wardrobe rather. Sursock.com. Head over there. Use the promo code FOURFINGER to receive 15% off orders of two or more. Awesome. Uh, now... Question time. We've got a message that's come in from Franklin Amaral, mm. uh, listening from London, Ontario, Canada. You can only live in one place, Franklin, <laughs> London or Ontario. Or Canada. <laughs> uh, I'm still continuing to get caught up on all the podcasts, so it's going to be some months before you hear that delightful joke. Uh, I do know a little bit more about geography than that, mate. I hope that you're, you would have picked up on my sarcasm. Uh, you guys do awesome work. I uh, was just wondering if you could, if I could maybe ask a quick fan question. What is our favourite scene where the whole town is involved? So, Dando, uh, I asked you that before. Have you given a little bit of thought? What What would be your favourite whole town moment? Where the sauce on your steak, where the cheese in your cake. 
We put the spring in Springfield. Sorry, I had to go falsetto yeah. for some reason. I had to take the lady part on. So good. That's the lady part the whole time. Yeah, but I mean, like <laughs> the the madam's not as high pitched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. That's my that is my favorite. I haven't Simpsons got headphones song. on. Was I on key? It felt like I was You're actually always on key, man. Yeah, damn right I am. <laughs> I just know what to say at the right time. <laughs> but yeah, that's just such a good crowd moment. Like the monorail yeah. song is great, but this one I feel is just. It's more wacky. And it gives more people more to do, I yeah, think, as well. Yeah, every character has their own thing, and like the Barney burping and whatnot. It's just... I love Sideshow Mel's whistle. Yeah. It's so good, just man. Just comes in for it. Yeah, That's just, the perfect time. And then uh, Moe's got... He's um, been carrying that around for six months. Moe's got the symbols. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the, or the, cra- the trash can Tr- Trash cans, yeah. That's <laughs> so good. But yeah, the Spring in Springfield. Is that what it's called, the song? But yeah, from the... But after dark episode, everyone yep. knows. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Uh, I thought long and hard and have settled on Bart's comet. Uh, everyone <laughs> holding hands, singing. Oh, at the end of it. I thought you meant in the bomb shelter. Yeah. Oh well. The- everyone put both. your head up. You think Flanders can get out? <laughs> <laughs> both are good, but no. The the bit where they all come together and then the rock just burns oh, up yeah, into great. nothing. Very- Fl- Flanders' reaction when he sees everyone's come with him. No, yeah, it's it's very very nice, and, and even just the way they do it. Like, ah, hey Homer, I want to die too. Like, yeah, just, yeah. The Simpsons do a really good job of making you dislike a character and then flick a switch and you love them again. And you love them, yeah. Yeah. It's a sign of great writing. It is. And uh, Al Jean was... I'm going to put up a post um, on the website shortly about the things that we've learned from Al Jean's interview on Kevin Pollock's chat show. Good. Really, really good. Highly advise checking it out. Just over an hour long interview. And I'd highly recommend checking this out. Yes. But he does talk about the thing that when you can make someone be a jerk but then kind of earn your love, you fall for them even harder. Like Homer does it in the final act, of, final yeah, scene of this. When you go like, it's like how cute an echidna's face is because you know how spiky the back of it is. Yeah. Like when you see that soft underbelly. They're adorable, man. If they were just soft everywhere, wouldn't matter as much. Have you ever hung out with an echidna? Not hung out, but like... You ever, like <laughs> yeah, I went drinking with one last <laughs> night. <laughs> have you ever like fed one? Because we went to like this zoo in Tasmania where you just sit on the floor and they just walk around over your laps and they just want food and whatnot. It's pretty cool. They're just like spiky cats. Yeah, they're amazing. Like it's just echidnas. If you haven't gone to see an echidna in r- real life, do it. They're great. I'm not sure where people are all going to go to see an echidna in real life, but if, well, you can do have, try. Are they in Australia? Only in Australia? Because Nicola's family came over here, they had no idea what they They'd were. Never seen one before. They thought they, they were hedgehogs. Native. They thought they were hedgehogs, but they're not hedgehogs. Similar to hedgehogs, but similar, they're not. but they're yeah, spikier, I think. Yeah, bigger quills. Yes. Second question comes in to us today from John Trapper uh, from it says here Pennsylvania. Hello to everyone listening in Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, he would like to know what is our favourite Hans Molman moment, but has given us the caveat not allowed to use football in the groin. Yes. I, I like the, the little one at the end better. That oh my god, <laughs> like the piss take one. I just think that reaction's funnier. <laughs> but um, I just I also love that Hans Molman has his own production company. Yeah, Molman Productions. <laughs> um, there's so many Molman deaths that you could just choose. But my favorite non-death moment is from a th- I'm pretty sure it's the episode with the jockeys and Homer's on some sort of like I could be wrong, but on some sort of bungee cord, he's going down under the ground. And then Molman's in like the world of the mole men. Yeah. And he's like, you would never escape the world of the mole men. There's yeah. no way of escaping. And Homer's bungee cord just takes him back up. And he's like, oh, well, maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look, I have so many to choose from as well. In fact, I managed to combine a good mole man moment and a Simpsons quote nobody gets anymore scenario in Ooh, my life the other day. Facebook plug. Where I went to an optometrist and I was trying some stuff on and without the eye, he went like the very, very bottom line and I couldn't see shit. So I just went, Oh, Q. 
Question mark. <laughs> did you say that? Yes. What did he do? Nothing. He didn't laugh at all. <laughs> I'm like, you son of a bitch. I was like, but I had to point out, got, sorry, man, that was just joking around. Really, I can't say any of that, though. Yeah. <laughs> I do like also when he's reading at the menu when he's on a date with Selma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, I like him being killed by Homer when he gets run off the... Run off a Gail and Poe's house? Yeah. The house he was born in or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now you've done it. Now you've done it. But I think of all of them, honestly, my favourite, because it's the one that took me by the most surprise, was in Halloween of Horror. Now, if you haven't seen it, there's a scene where they're in, like, Krusty's horror house, and it's one of those, it's like Universal Studios, where they've got a whole bunch of actors dressed as horror characters, and you're walking around through them live. themed night, yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll run up to you, like, throw, like... Come to stab you. Obviously, they're not going to. They won't actually touch you, but it like jump scares. Not going to touch you, but they'll scare the shit out of you. Yeah, exactly. So Lisa's getting freaked out, and Homer grabs her hand, and they're walking through a horde of zombies. And she's like, "It's it's it's, none of this is real. None of this is real. None of this is real. It's a close up on her." And then the camera zooms out, and she's holding a zombie hand, and she freaks out. And then cut to Homer lining up for some ice cream, holding Hans Molman's hand. He's like, (laughs) "Hmm, "What do I want?" And it's the line from Molman. It's just. Sir, it's the quiet Lisa. Daddy's trying to water. He's so helpless. Like he's a grown man. Just, just, sir, yeah. <laughs> she gets dragged around everywhere by him from that point. How can we also forget that he should kiss his head? It's like kissing a peanut. Like kissing a peanut. I forget. I just glossed over. Yeah, yeah. But that Halloween of Horror, like we said, if you haven't watched it, definitely Cowabunga, do it. dudes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So that is the mailbag for this week. Thanks for everybody for sending questions. If you want to send in a question to be answered on the show, send it to facebook.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Or if you want to email it, that's your preferred choice, fourfingerdiscount at outlook.com. Mm-hmm. If you really want to get your name read out, fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate. <laughs> like, where is it going with I'll it? come around to your house and do a show live. That's we, fine. Everyone who does donate, we will read you out in the air. And if you want to, we're going to create a donor page, like a Hall of Fame thing on the website. It'll be in the menu. It'll be its own page. And if you want to have your, have your face in there, you might not want to have your face in there, but if you do, we'll whack it up there. Yeah. You know the other thing? We've kicked around the idea of live shows and that sort of stuff in the past. I can virtually guarantee that if we were getting a whole bunch of donations from a particular sort of regional area then that's going to be high on the list of places where we might be looking at going to. Yeah. It's just a case of, for me, being able to justify my with my wife why I'm not hanging out with her anymore because I'm too busy editing podcasts. But obviously, I wouldn't be spending the money I'll on I'll accept money laundering, like Breaking <laughs> Bad style. If there's a man out there that's just got a bunch of cash that he needs to have rolling in, yeah, throw some out. You won't get it back. Some of it. Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll do like a, we give 80% back, we keep 20. Yeah. You, you pop 100 grand in our account, 80 grand to you. Yeah. Clean. Exactly right. <laughs> In all seriousness, it's just to cover the cost of, of doing this thing. We love bringing you the show. The reason we do the show is because we love doing it. Yeah. And we're not doing it to make money, but th- there is costs that come with doing this show. And just, we would love to be able to just cover those costs, basically. Yeah, exactly. That, that's all it's for. If, yes, exactly right. No, the only way that we would ever really want to truly make a lot of money off this show is through advertising, sponsorship, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, we don't want to make money from you guys. You, this show will always be free for you guys. But if you want to give the show, that'd be great. But, like, you don't have to. We don't care if you don't. It's just the options there. But do. <laughs> Also, uh, as we said, rate and review us in the iTunes store. Um, we're really great. Like we said, we've got thousands of listeners now. Why don't we have hundreds, at least, reviews in the iTunes store? It takes five minutes, particularly if you're an iPhone user or an Apple user. Yeah. Just go to the podcast app and then just click review. Bang, you're done. If you don't have access to iTunes, then go to podbean.com. Look us up on that and there you can review us or I think you can follow or like or do whatever you can. There's a few little things that you can do to give feedback on that because those guys are very generous in their hosting. Yeah. And it would be nice to drive some traffic their way as well if you're not 
not an Apple user. Yes, that would be great. Also, follow us on Twitter, at FourFingerPod, if you want to send Mitch a dirty text or something. I can't believe that I haven't ever actually got anything filthy yet. Mitch wants something filthy, so you're going to be... Like seven... I just... I assume very little of the internet, and I just figure that seven months and 46,000 followers on Facebook... 45, 45. 45. I, I round up. Or I just add on people who don't <laughs> exist. <laughs> I, I, I'm honestly just amazed that something has um, come through. I just remembered, by the way, we were very busy at the start of this show, and I know that this has already been a really long podcast, but I need to tell a very I don't mind how long it's gone. quick story now. This is just the last few minutes of it. It can go as long as you want. You're at the end now. Exactly. I went to see The Hateful Eight on the weekend. Good. Fantastic. Would the normal version be good or... So, The Hateful Eight in Australia has a release date of the 21st of January. Really? But from the 14th of January, they released a limited... Well, I guess limited because there's only so many places that can do it. Limited screenings, yeah. 70 millimeter prints. Now, 70 what, what, mil... What does that mean? Yeah, explain it, yeah. So, most film stock is done on 35 mil, and okay. that's just the width of the, what the film is that runs through the camera. 70 mil is double the size of that, which means you get more detail, you can get wider images, just basically more fits into what the camera is actually filming, more can be projected. So, right. was it filmed with 70 mil, yeah. and then when you're watching the 35, you're like watching a cropped version of it? Uh, yeah, well... You're not necessarily going to ever watch it in 35, like because now it's it will just convert to digital. Like a few years ago, most cinemas these days just show a digital projection on the screen. Is that why Pulp Fiction has really big black t- stripes yeah. top and bottom because of that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, the okay. aspect ratio and that sort of so, stuff. Because that was obviously filmed the same way. Okay, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yep. So, firstly, it had been years since I'd been to an actual projection image, but not only that, like I'd never been to one this size before. There's a little quiet moment where it starts, and you could hear like the of the camera, like of the film running through the camera. And holy shit, I felt like I was in a magical place as soon as I heard that. I was like, this is this is everything that I, it was all that I love about movies was happening at this time. When we got in, they were actually giving programs out about the film, and the program explained a little bit about the concept of roadshows. So what it used to be like again back in the sixties, because it's been that long since something's been done like this. Really, they didn't even do it for Pulp Fiction. No, no, Pulp Fiction was just normal film. Okay. So, Ben-Hur was, I think, the last prominent film wow. that was made with this. So, the a roadshow would be where they would take out a longer cut. There might be an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it would be. They would generally have an overture at the beginning. They would have an interval. And they'd make, like, these big gala events traveling the movies around the country. Like a director's cut, I guess. Similar to a director's cut, yeah. yeah. And charge a little bit more, but it's basically saying, you guys get extra. Come pay us a little bit more for this, and we're going to give you more. How much um, was the ticket to this? 25 bucks. That's not too bad. Yeah, it was fine. In Australia, that's common movie price, 10 to $15. Ours is $10 now, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it was just, all of that was very cool. It was all very well presented. Uh, the movie itself, I'll be honest, it's probably, if I was going to sit down and rank them on a scale, it, it's not as good as Django Unchained, it's not as good as Inglorious Bastards, it's not as good as Kill Bill, it's not as good as Reservoir Dogs, it's not as good as Pulp Fiction. However... It's at the bottom. It's still really, really fucking good. Like, the only thing it suffers from is how great Tarantino has been for his entire career. Like, it's but it's a damn entertaining movie, and I certainly wouldn't tell anyone not to go and watch it. Had any of those movies not existed, you'd be like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. But because they have existed, you're like, that was a really, really good Tarantino movie. Are you immediately comparing it when you're watching it? Not immediately, no. It was more afterwards that I sort of let it sink in and absorb for a little bit. But anyway, so the story of the Hateful Eight, there's a whole bunch of strangers basically that hold up in this little town during a, a blizzard in Wyoming. In- Do, there'll be no spoilers in this, by the way. No, none yeah. none at all. I'm not going to review the movie at all, yeah. but here's what 
this is the thing that the cinema did. It's the Sun Cinema in Yarraville. There are only six cinemas in all of Australia that had the capability of actually showing 70mm film stock. Like, they had to source parts from everywhere because most things were put into storage and then they were just thrown away to make room for more storage. So, they, they tracked it all down and were able to do it. Um, during the intermission, they're like, you can come down. There'll be a special line for you guys at the candy bar because you've got 13 minutes. It's hard-coded. We can't make it shorter. We can't make it longer. It's 13 minutes and that's it. There will also be free coffee for you in the foyer. Uh, that'll make sense to you once you've seen the movie. They're like, right, okay, cool. So we're, you know, uh, we watch the intermission. Now, it, it, the reason they say it'll make sense, it's really cold, obviously. So everyone's just constantly drinking from this coffee pot to try and keep warm and warm and stay up through the night. Yeah. We come back from intermission. The first act of the film, or the first half before the intermission break, ends with this amazing monologue from Samuel L. Jackson. He's fantastic in the movie. Then it comes back, and it just does a quick reset. There's a narrator going, like, you know, when we last... Previously on Hateful Eight. About 15 minutes have passed since you guys, like, since we left you guys, and here's what's happened. And he runs through it all. Now, this isn't a spoiler. It's it's the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest hint of a spoiler. But it's really not. I promise you guys it's not. But anyway... um, The narrator says, but while all this was happening, while Samuel L. Jackson's monologue was going on, what you didn't see was that someone has poisoned the coffee. So, everyone, and not only... Is that a spoiler? No, it's not. Because nothing happens, no one drinks poisoned coffee until after you already know that it's poisoned. So, me telling you that doesn't ruin anything. By telling us that it's poisoned, now we know that it's poisoned before they drink it. You know it's poisoned before they drink it in the movie. No one drinks it before the narrator says it's poisoned. Oh, okay, so, so like you so, actually you so it's physically... poisoned and then they drink it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you know it's poisoned before they pick it up. Okay, yeah. Don't stress. I would okay. never spoil a movie. <laughs> um, the other aspect, particularly to it, Tarantino one. The other aspect to it is that all of the coffee urns that they had in the foyer were identical replicas of cool. the coffee that they were drinking from. So everyone's come back in, free coffees. <laughs> they all have sips. Hey, the coffee's the coffee's poisoned. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's a, it sounds like a spectacle. It was. It like you know, made it dragged you in. It felt part of it. And I was sitting there going, if people truly, I mean, you can't do this for every film, but like this is the best answer to piracy that you can possibly have. You just make it an experience to go to the movies again. Like, make it an event, not just fucking mindlessly grab some popcorn, sit down, talk for too long during the trailers so people Ooh, like me can't hear it. Then, you know, walk out early or whatever it might be, have your phone go off halfway through. Like, this is just a beautiful thing. Now we get to the bit I've been shattered about. Friday, I heard rumours that perhaps Quentin Tarantino was going to be making a visit to the Sunday. Yeah, theater. I saw that. So I was like, all right, well, fingers crossed. I booked my tickets for Sunday because that was the day that I was going to be up in that area. And he went Monday night, 7pm Monday night showing, Tarantino popped in unannounced to introduce the film along with his two buddies, Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson and Kurt Russell. (sighs) Wow. What was the feeling when you saw that? Uh, Let's say that I was in the movie Sisters and I did not laugh again for the next 40 minutes. (laughs) So I was sitting there staring at the back of the chair in front of me just going, I could be there right now. (laughs) Instead, I'm watching an okay but ultimately forgettable comedy. Oh, man, I feel so sorry for you. Mm, Thank you. I I remember seeing the picture thinking, oh, that's cool, because Mitch went there. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to... I I was even running lines through my head of like, oh, what would I have said if Quentin Tarantino was there? And I thought that I would ultimately would have gone with a little subtle but cheeky stab about Django Unchained. I'd just go, Quentin, if you ever need an Australian actor cast in a film, feel free to call me. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever used Australians before or anything along those lines. But, you know, just in case, if you'd like, yeah, if you need someone with that accent, I'm available. Did he do like a Q&A with the crowd or was he just there to introduce Just people? an introduction. I don't think he stuck around afterwards. I've been watching some interviews of Samuel and Kurt. They look like they're just having the best time of their lives. Yeah. Like, they're just... Every interview, 
I feel like the, you watch the interview and the interviewer thinks like they're doing a good interview. It's not, they're just really professional at their job. Yeah. And they're making the interviewer feel like they're doing a good interview. Yeah. I watched a couple of interviews and they're just terrible questions, but Samuel, They turn it into something else. They turn it into something that's great. And yeah. I'm like, you guys are exactly who I want to interview. Yeah. Nah, Sam, Sam Jackson in this, I, I'm fair, I'm honestly staggered he didn't get, get a Best Supporting Actor nomination. He's so goddamn Have they good. been announced yet though? Yeah. Really? Yeah. The Oscars? Yeah, yeah, that came out like a week ago. Oh, I didn't even see that. Who's yeah. been nominated for the best actor? Uh, Leo DiCaprio, Michael Fassbender. They're probably going to be the main two battling it out. Um, I. Do you think Fassbender's going to get over the line? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I I hope for Leo. Yeah, um, yeah, same. I th- uh, best supporting. I know Idris Elba was nominated, but I don't know if he was nominated as best supporting or best actor for Beast of No Nation. Best supporting Sylvester Stallone is going to be hard to beat for the sentimental vote, I think. Yep. But Sam Jackson was. It's as good as he's ever been in anything. Um, I was actually thinking about this, that if Samuel L. Jackson had only ever worked with Tarantino, we would talk about him as being one of the best actors of his generation. He said that, yeah. If you like Daniel Day-Lewis, being one of those enigmas of like, why doesn't he do more? What ruined it for him, Star Wars or Snakes on a Plane? <laughs> no, um, Star Wars, certainly. I love it than Snakes <laughs> on a Plane. Samuel L. Jackson's never bad. He's just in bad movies. Yeah, but, and even when he's in bad movies... It's like he knows he's in a bad movie. Yeah. He's like Christopher Walken for me in that regard. Yeah. Not everything he does is a work of art, but he's just always going to be entertaining. Yeah. Well, that's your somewhat review of the experience at... Just the experience, yeah. So, shout out to the Sun Theatre in Yarrow. It is my new favourite cinema. Because they're the guys that when Tarantino says, I'm going to release this in 70 mil, they go, holy shit, we need to go dig through garages. There's a documentary on how they did this. They put it together. Really? They literally were digging through scrap heaps to try and find the stuff to put this in, and then they built it all by hand and put it all together to be able to show us this movie. Like, so did they play that at the theatre beforehand, like the documentary? Yeah, they TV did. Before theater, the movie yeah. started, they were like, this is a little bit about what we had to do to get this for you. That's really cool. I'm, and, wish, I'm shy that yeah, I didn't go now. And the guy was saying, he's like, look... This isn't going to work, but I'll do it. And <laughs> yeah. the, but they were saying if it's successful and it's financially viable, they'd be more than happy to do sort of this sort of stuff again. So, but does it cost more to film a movie like that though? Pro- oh yeah, it's a very expensive format. So it probably won't happen very often then. Probably not. But I mean, just the general feel of maybe they'll replay some of the older classics or just that vibe of putting on an event as opposed to just what the movie is. All right. So Disney next Star Wars, do it. Yeah. <laughs> How good would that be? Well, you know, a big Star Wars fan, I guess, but... No, something like that would be phenomenal, and it would sell out. And, and everyone would be dressed up. Yeah. It'd be great. But anyway, so thanks for listening to our review of possibly one of the greatest episodes of The Simpsons. Well, not possibly. Well, it is one is. of the greatest. Possibly the greatest? Would you... It's, you can't really say ever. Best episode of all time. For you. Yes. It, it, it's, oh, it's very hard to find an episode... Unequivocally, I challenge anyone to tell me one that's better than this. Yeah, it's, there probably are episodes out there that may be as good... But it's very... I don't think you'll find an episode that's better than this. Show me one that... It's like the Iron Giant of Simpsons episodes. Show me one that's as entertaining, that's as funny, that's as heartfelt, that's as everything. Like, it has every single element that you could possibly ask for in a story. And done perfectly. Yes. Love to know what you guys think about this review of the episode. So, uh, facebook.com slash discount. Send us a message. Tell us what you thought about the episode. Also, don't forget to rate and review us in the iTunes store. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook, like we said. And if you feel courteous... Fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate. But you don't have to, do that. No, of course you don't have to. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Really do appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And we'll catch you guys next week for The War of the Simpsons. How good's that oh, episode? Oh, God, another great one. Oh, then we've got uh, Three Men in a Comic Book. And then we've got Blood Feud. Oh, man, we're in a good streak at the moment. Uh, it just doesn't stop being it's gonna be now on. It's going to be awesome. So thanks for listening, guys. Like we said, really do appreciate it. And we'll catch you guys next week. See you guys. Shh.